Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're on the Paracast this week, and our co-host Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. So he won't be with us, but next week, tentatively, we'll do a special episode about his new book called Stalking the Herd. Okay? That's going to be a fascinating discussion. This is over 565 pages exploring the cattle mutilation phenomenon. Now, we have two guests today. I'm not going to get into that topic except insofar as it's covered in a certain magazine they both have or now do represent. And that is Fate Magazine. Fate Magazine is, I guess, the longest surviving publication about the paranormal going back to like 1948. And the people joining us this week, Phyllis Galdi, who's the editor-in-chief and publisher, and my old friend Jerome Clark, who actually worked at Fate for a number of years. It's kind of interesting, Jerry, how you and I went into journalistic-related career paths after we finished school, and I presume we're almost nearly the same age, which will not be mentioned on the air because nobody normally counts that high. But with me, after going to school, I went into radio and began to specialize in journalism. But you got associated with Fate Magazine. How did that come about? Well, when I was a kid, my folks and my brother... And I were on a vacation in the Black Hills of South Dakota. We went into a magazine store. It was actually a drugstore. It had quite a collection of magazines and paperbacks. And I saw the November 1960 issue of Fate. And I had heard of it before, but I had never seen it. So I bought it, and I was enthralled. I subscribed immediately. And I have read Fate since November 1960 virtually every issue. So I have a long history. And at one time, I was hired at Fate Magazine. I was associate editor. And then I became the full editor, the senior editor. And that was just before Fate was sold to Llewellyn Publications in St. Paul. And that's where Phyllis comes into the story. Let's be more detailed about Fate, though. How long did you work for them before the sale was completed. And also, I guess we never really clarified this. You were a reader of the magazine. How does the reader become the employee? Well, I started writing for Fate in the 1970s, in the early 1970s. So the editorial staff and the publisher, namely Curtis and Mary Margaret Fuller, knew who I was. They knew I could write. And uh, so in in 1970, I moved to Chicago from Moorhead, Minnesota, with a girlfriend. And I was looking for a job, and I thought, well, I'll go and see if I can get a job at Fate. And they hired me. But my uh, Chicago life lasted only less than a year, and I moved back to Minnesota. I was in Chicago in 1976, and I visited the Fullers, and they asked me if I was interested in having my old job back. And I was, so I moved back to Chicago. I worked from... August 1976 till February 1989. So I spent a good chunk of my my working life at Fade Magazine. Now, just to do a comparison, I don't know there's any place I worked at for 13 years anywhere. (laughs) No way. And not in the kind of businesses I've been in. You don't work 13 years at anything. Okay. We don't want to get into the technical details, but it was possible to make a living wage 
working for a magazine like that? Yeah, I, you know, I wasn't getting rich, but I was, you know, decently compensated. I was able to support a young family. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I have no complaints about how I was treated. The Fullers are very good to me. Okay, so why did they sell out? The magazine was dying, basically. The circulation had slumped, and Kurt Fuller was philosophical about it. He said, well, fate had a pretty good run, and, and no, nothing lasts forever. And uh, they, But they had hoped to sell it to Hugh Hefner, who was talking about doing a slick kind of pop science magazine in competition to Bob Guccione's Omni magazine, except that Hefner had this idea of having a higher, you know, anomaly and paranormal content. But by the time the Fullers were ready to sell Fade magazine, Hefner had lost interest. Nobody seemed interested except... Um, Llewellyn Publications and Carl Weschke, who was head of it. The Fullers didn't like Weschke very much, and they didn't want to sell to him. But finally, there was no other offer, and Fate sold it to Weschke at, a, I think, kind of a bargain basement price. They just wanted to get it off their hands, and they were lucky to get any money for it at that stage. Now, this is the late 1980s. Was there something about Llewellyn that made them seem like a less-than-ideal buyer for fate? Well, the, the Fullers weren't occultists. They didn't really have much time for, you know, occult doctrines, theosophy, uh, magic, and those sorts of things. I mean, they had advertisers who were oriented at that. But Kurt Fuller actually came from a science background. He His major interest in life was science, and I think that he saw anomalies in the paranormal as things on the fringes of science as opposed to the heart of the occult. And they thought that a lot of what Wischke was doing was just junk, and uh, they didn't really want fate to go in that direction. And they wanted some kind of you know, restraint on the content so that it didn't go too far to the extremes that it was. Mary Fuller's always used to say, she would tell me, she said, we don't have to believe it ourselves, but it has to be capable of belief. That was her editorial philosophy. Well, meaning, so, therefore, that has to be something that at least sounds credible. It's a theory that's that, that well a researched. person could sure. believe, yes. Okay. Now, after the purchase took place... Now you're no longer associated with them. Did the magazine go further downhill or what? Well, I will leave that to Phyllis to address. Well, Phyllis, you've now been called into action. So Phyllis Galdi, currently the one who owns the publication. What happened with Fate after Llewellyn took it over? Well, that was uh, an interesting time. I was hired, uh, I think, about 85 or 86 at Llewellyn as a, a book editor. And there was all kinds of hubbub and excitement and driving down to Chicago. Donald Michael Craig was the first editor-in-chief under the Llewellyn ownership of Fate. And I I remember the excitement as a a new editor, book editor, probably the only one uh, at the small time of Llewellyn. I was so excited. I wanted to work on Fate. I, like, begged to, to be an editor for it. I wrote a a first article about elephants, about their psychic abilities or how intuitive they are. Yeah, it was just just a lot of excitement. And uh, Carl Alt-Weschke always wanted a magazine. He loved magazines, but kind of uh, he had bad luck with with previous magazines, Occult, uh, the Gnosticon, and and, um, similar kinds of magazines. But 
anyway, it was great excitement, and I finally got to be an editor and moved over working on, on the fate part of it rather than the book part of it. And uh, both Don Craig and I were tried to be very careful to keep fate pure. Carl wanted it to be an advertorial for Llewellyn Books, and uh, and you know, and and uh, turn it in that direction. But I, I have to say that both Don and I were were really clear in our intent that that it should stay. Um, mostly true to its its origin. So yeah, we had a few fights on our hands, and uh, we tried to be diplomatic, and and finally we got quite a bit of control over the editorial content. So we we tried to keep it clean, and and of course uh, Jerry was still writing a column. We had four or five different columns at that time, and yes, it it continued to lose money. Um, Llewellyn lavished a lot of money on it that they they. Spent poorly. I mean, they gave this one designer ten thousand dollars just to make a new logo on the front page. Let's go into more of that. Ten thousand dollars for the logo. Ten thousand dollars for the logo. How about that? Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine. Jerome Clark, formerly from Fate Magazine, and a lot more to come. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237. 37 extension 130 
great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganix.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM1 from Terraganix. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. You know, Phyllis Galdi does such a good job saying the Paracast. We may have to add her to our special recording where we're going to feature just the people who do it so well, like Nick Redfern and Bryce Sable and Phyllis Galdi and a few others. And Chris. Chris has a number of different voices he does it with. We're talking primarily about Faith Magazine, about the history of the publication, the ups and the downs, and we're getting more into the modern history in a while. So, Phyllis, before we broke, you were telling us here that the folks at Llewellyn were not above investing in Faith but they really didn't know how to invest in it, like spending $10,000 on a new logo. But what about promotion of the magazine? I'm sorry, I didn't catch your last statement. Okay, sure. What about just promotion, promoting the magazine oh, to get more readers? they did a lot of promotion, and they really thought that Fate would have a wonderful future on the newsstand, which is why they spent the money for a new flashy logo. Yeah, they, they dumped uh, quite a bit of money on it. It was, it was a, t- a toy for Carl, and um, it still had some pretty decent articles. And by the way, Jerry was still writing his column, as I mentioned, and, and Jerry is still doing the the most intelligent book review we have in the book review section. So Jerry, Mr. Clark, is still involved with fate. And we're, we're, we're honored to have him helping us because he is uh, the voice of reason and, and wisdom and discernment and knows more about the books than anybody else. 
Well, since we're swapping compliments, Phyllis, let me say that I really admire what you're doing. And one thing that many people associated with Llewellyn didn't get that you did was what made and makes fate an appealing magazine. And your fate under, under your editorship really carries on that tradition honorably. And it's an honor for me to be in every issue with my book reviews. I really like being there and like being able to make some contribution to the well-being of the magazine. No, we appreciate it very, very much. They're investing in getting more newsstand distribution. Now, I know something about the other end of it because I've worked with other publishers who have newsstand magazines. And the one thing we all learn is unless you have humongous amounts of money to get special presentation and placement, it's a very difficult place to try to work. Exactly. And and it was the beginning of the downfall. The golden age was over for magazines, as we know so many have, have crashed during the last 10, 15 years so Fate didn't have that kind of money to have that uh, premium placement. And then I think Sandra, uh, Carl's wife, finally uh, prevailed upon him to sell the magazine. And anyway, I had quit to start my own publishing company in uh, 94. I, w- I was working on my own publishing uh, book publishing company. Then in 1999, Sandra Wesky called David Godwin, my partner, and myself to come back and help while they were in the process of, of trying to sell it. So we said, sure, we'll do it. So David and I came in there, and then I saw the, the incredible waste, just like a quarter of a million dollars they were spending on on payroll and and extra people unnecessary people and and huge wages for advertising people so i said get rid of everybody fire everybody david and i can do this for you for so yeah we saved them probably two hundred thousand dollars for a couple of years and then that they still decided that they were wanting to sell it and i guess it was fate they they offered me so the bank and i uh bought it and I remember walking out of the building that day after I had signed the papers. Kurt and Mary Fuller had both passed on into the spirit world uh, at that time. And I'm I'm kind of a, a a quack psychic, I call myself. Sometimes I see and hear and, and, and feel things. But I, I could definitely feel and almost see Mary and Kurt Fuller above me. And they were scolding me. I thought they'd be glad I bought it because my intentions were really uh, pure to keep fate true to its its essence of what it was. And they were singing, you know, like kind of chattering and scolding and almost swearing at me. But, you know, that I had better do a good job on fate by gum or else. So I just thought that was cool. Instead of them being, I was I was like taken aback because here I was trying to do my very best and uh, I was getting scolded for it from spirit. Okay, so you were getting the impression that they were basically putting you on notice that you better do it right. Yes, yes. They weren't happy with the direction Llewellyn had taken it. Okay, so having taken over this publication, and we'll get into more granular details in a moment, what did you do to try to restore it to its former glory? Well, we didn't do any advertorials. You know, obviously we, we were working on a shoestring budget. It was a labor of love. I mean, I mortgaged the house to keep it going and plowed everything that, that we had, our resources. David and I did it, just the two of us. Uh, and... and um, it's kind of interesting to me, fate 
seems that it, it uh, directs itself, it writes itself. Like, say, we get three or four articles in Uncrop Circles that would just come across the transom, uh, letters and, and uh, unasked for articles, unsolicited. And I, uh, then I figured, oh, I guess we better write about Crop Circles. So it's it's interesting if if I listen carefully and, and um, pay attention, the magazine almost writes itself. The, the appropriate articles come in through the door. So it's a matter of... Uh, of being uh, in tune with the, I don't know, the oversoul, the personality of fate. It has some kind of a magical being um, guiding it because it helps so many people. And my daughter said, get rid of fate. You know, it's losing money. Get rid of it. Sell it. And and I, I just never wanted to do that. I felt that was part of my life's mission. We received so many letters from people. I can't live without my fate. You know, I get it. I read it from cover to cover. I don't care if it's late as long as I get it. We, we hear that over and over and over. Okay, so let's look now at trying to cope in this environment. Because right now we have a situation where print magazines are dying. Most recently, UFO magazine gave up the ghosts, as they say. But it's much more complicated, and I hardly even want to mention that, except that it's another publication, an example of something that's no longer available. Have you thought, Phillips, of just going all digital? We have digital also. We we have... Uh I guess I'm kind of committed. I've I've cleaned it down to bare bones. I put it on newsprint paper. We went black and white. Uh, we made it a lighter paper so that we, I could afford the postage. I've done everything I can to shave costs to make it affordable for the the loyal print subscribers. I mean, many of them are an older crowd. They don't even have a freaking computer. They don't want to read it online. They have no way of... So we have assured them that we will always have a print edition. I grew up in a a Scandinavian household in North Dakota on a farm, and we were practical, if nothing else. We made do with what we had. So I I guess my little Scotch-Irish blood in me, too, helps. uh, We're as thrifty as I possibly can be to keep it in print. And, yes, we have a wonderful new website, and we have e-subscribers. And we're encouraging e-subscribers because it's beautiful and full color and easy to read. But but we have those diehard people that, that are, I can't let them down. Phyllis Galdi of Fate Magazine, Jerome Clark also joining us. More to come. You're in the Paracast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. 
For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver call 888-213-4338 888-213-4338 and talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver colloidal gold minerals vitamins and herbs utopiasilver.com Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? So Chris O'Brien's on special assignment, and he'll be back next week, and we'll be doing a special episode about his book called Stalking the Herd. But right now we're focusing on Fate Magazine, which first started in 1948, and... Now being published by Phyllis Galdi is continuing as a print magazine, but also as a digital publication. Now, obviously, there aren't many people around who started reading Fate in 1948, and we understand that. But do you find that your audience demographic is remaining older? How do you get young people 
Phyllis to want a magazine like Fate? Well, we are on uh, a lot of radio shows, and we are uh, starting Fate Radio up again. We've had uh, various radio announcers through the years, so um, we definitely have exposure. We attend conferences. We send out many, many issues for for people who haven't heard of Fate. I would say we have uh, uh, a fair exposure in the metaphysical and New Age and UFO world with with Fate's presence. Let's go back to the beginning again and Jerry Clark. Now, looking at Fate through the years, it's always been a mixed bag of different stuff. Sometimes you get into archaeologically related stuff, ancient astronauts, UFOs, various occult issues. Now, how do you straddle the fence about all those different subjects? How did fate handle it in a way that the people who just want UFOs could pick up that magazine and see someone who is talking about ghosts but not be turned off? Well, in those days, there really were not any other outlets for people who were interested in these subjects. And I mean, obviously there were, as you well know, small newsletters and things like that that circulated to, you know, a few hundred readers. But there wasn't the television programming, there wasn't the radio programming, newspapers didn't pay much attention to these things except to publish an occasional sneering article. You know, if you were interested in these things, you know, you could find a few books, but if you wanted a magazine that kept you up to date on what was going on in a broad range of mysterious phenomena, Fate magazine was where you had to go. For one thing, people who were interested in UFOs also often had an interest in a wide range of weird stuff like ESP or or ghosts or cryptozoological animals or mysterious disappearances, those sorts of things. So if someone had a primary subject that he was interested in, he could find that, but he could also find all kinds of things that that person had a secondary interest in. So, and also, even if you were just interested in UFOs or just interested in cryptozoology or just interested in ghosts, you could find that in Fate magazine and you couldn't find it anywhere else. So even if you didn't read anything else, you read the articles on the subject of your particular interest. So Fate was, you know, filled of a real hole in the market back in those days. There just wasn't anywhere else to go. At the beginning here, Fate was founded by Ray Palmer and Curtis Fuller. Now, we know that Mr. Fuller had a pretty scientific bent. We know Palmer can get out there. How was this handled in the early days when you had two publishers who probably had very different ideas of the kind of content they might have wanted? Well, in the early days, it was all Ray Palmer. Uh, Kurt Fuller was dealing with his wife, Mary, who had tuberculosis, was in a tuberculosis sanitarium. They had two small children. And so Kurt was working at Flying Magazine as the editor, and he was doing that full-time, at the same time being, you know, full-time father and caregiver to these little kids while dealing with his wife's issues while she was in the sanitarium. So he had turned fate over pretty much entirely to the Palmer, which is, and in much of what was written in those early issues, maybe the first couple of years, first three years, was Palmer under a variety of, of pseudonyms. And some of the stories, I think, Palmer just made up. 
and he published them under made-up names, and uh, the factual content was zero. When I was working at Fate, I went through the files of the early years of the magazine, and um, in the later years, if you wanted to find out where a story came from, you could read the documentation, the correspondence with the writer, and, and other supporting evidence. There was zero from those early days. There was no evidence that these things existed as independent entities outside Palmer's imagination. And when Kurt became more actively involved in the magazine and Mary's health was restored, both Kurt and Mary had journalistic backgrounds. They had both been educated in the journalism department at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois, which is a pretty classy outfit. So they were concerned that even though the content from many people's points of view was outlandish, they wanted it to be factually founded and, and, and plausibly affirmed. And so, for example, they didn't publish, I think very early on during the Palmer years, I think there was an article about the Shaver mystery, which was this outlandish series of stories told by Richard Shaver, who had spent years in the mental institution but claimed that there were these demonic entities living in caverns under the earth and causing all kinds of trouble for us. This was really where Palmer made his mark as a marketeer of weird stories. There was one Shaver mystery story under Palmer's editorship of fate. There were none afterwards. The Fullers cleaned out some of the really, you know, crazy and... Um, hard-to-believe stuff. And the stuff they told, they wanted some kind of documentation. It wasn't on the New Yorker level, but they insisted on affidavits, particularly when people were claiming, you know, their own experiential, you know, phenomena. And, um, you know, so it was reasonably factual. And the Fullers often told me that they had a strong feeling that their readers didn't want to be insulted that the readers had to feel that fate was playing by the rules and was respecting their intelligence. I think that really had a lot to do with giving fate uh, credibility in, in its readership. Other magazines didn't do that, and they didn't last as long as fate did. All right. And now, at what point did the Fullers assert the control? Did this mean that basically Palmer was out of the picture or what? Palmer moved up to, uh, up to uh, I can't remember the name of the county, but he moved up into this kind of recreational area in Wisconsin, Portage County. They moved up to Portage County, which is kind of a touristy area. And they lived in a, near a little tiny town called Amherst. And Palmer concentrated sort of on being a small-town businessman. And the Fuller stayed in um, suburban Chicago, and, and they were running the operation. And, and at some point, about 1954-55, they bought out Palmer's interest in the magazine. So Palmer, had, after that point, had no association, you know, either on the editorial side or on the business side with fate. Now... As a practical matter, once Palmer was out of the picture, did sales go up? Was there some noticeable impact? Well, the magazine, I can't give you sales figures because that really wasn't part of 
the normal discourse at the office. We were just trying to get an issue out there. And any conversation about the history of the magazine was, you know, extraneous, although we had those occasional conversational sides. But the magazine began as a quarterly. By uh, 1951, I believe, it had become a bi-monthly, and then soon it was a monthly. So that was indicating that it found an audience, and there was enough to support a publication every month. Now, I recall that Palmer had his own group of magazines, one of which was almost a direct-on competitor to fate called Search. We'll go into more of this stuff. We have Jerome Clark, Phyllis Galdi, and we'll be answering your questions shortly. You're in... The Paracast. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Hey everyone, have you heard about the no-no hair removal device that's sweeping the globe? If you want to go weeks without shaving and get smooth, professional quality results, here's our favorite host Cheryl for no-no hair removal. Thanks. Hey gals, I love talking about my no-no. It's this cute little hair removal system that you can take with you and use almost anywhere at home or on the road. No more expensive in-office treatments, painful waxing, and no more wasting your valuable time. Got unwanted facial hair? No-no has patented Thermacon technology that works on all hair and skin colors, so it's perfect for using on all body parts. And now you can take advantage of this incredible risk-free trial. Get the No-No, the facial kit, a travel case, and a $100 discount shopping card, and you don't risk a penny to try it. Try the incredible No-No hair completely risk-free. Call 1-800-953-6062. That's 800-953-6062. 800-953-6062. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. 
limited number of free programs available. Call now, 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. Hello, it's Tom Chenault from The Tom Chenault Show. We are experts in home-based business and residual income. We show people how to make money from their home, either part-time or full-time. And in partnership with Genesis Communication Network, we've organized a team to fight back about people not having money, time, or health. And we need your help. What we want you to do is if you've got an interest in building an organization to fight back against people taking our money, taking our time, and taking our health, we want to talk to you. All you need to do is call this number, 855-308-8326. Again, all you want to do is call 855-308-8326. You can make a tremendous amount of money and end up fighting for a great cause. Please call us right now. author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. So, Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. We have Phyllis Galdi, editor-publisher of Fate Magazine, Jerome Clark, UFO historian, and once someone who worked with Fate. So, when Palmer moved up to Amherst, and I visited his home when I was very young, long story. He came out with his own line of publications, one called Flying Saucers, one called Search. And it seemed to me, Jerry, that Search was intended to be the competitor to Fate? Well, its original title was Mystic, as you may recall. Sure. And he changed the title to Search, was it called? Search. Yeah, a few years later. Yes, it was an inferior version of Fate. It didn't have the strong editorial content that Fate did. It was just... I always thought myself that he was publishing things for the Ray Palmer fan club. And and he believed that he had a fan club, and he did. He just, I think, overestimated the size of it, which is why his operation, which was basically built around his personality and his kind of freewheeling editorials and and enthusiasms, you know, got him only a few thousand readers. He never really topped that. There's a, a couple of very good biographies of Ray Palmer out in the last couple of years that tell the whole story. Fred Natus wrote one of them. Richard Toronto wrote another um, called The War Over Lemuria, which I review in the current issue of Fate, by the way. Well, as you know, Richard Toronto was on our show around that time when the book first came out to tell us it. a fascinating story of early science fiction, Ray Palmer, Richard Shaver, and all the wild things. But I agree with you that if you look at this statement that a magazine always had to file if they're using second-class postage, they had to file the statement showing how many copies they printed, how many copies they sold, how many were sold on newsstands. They had to basically reveal their circulation. And you'd see that Fate you know, had a pretty big circulation. Palmer was sending out a few thousand copies. Yeah, that's right. I think that Fate at its height which was in the 1970s, I think had a circulation of more than 200,000. But 
Ray Palmer never got close to that, and his magazines really weren't that interesting unless you were also into, you know, some kind of Palmer enthusiasm like the Shaver Mystery or the Hollow Earth or something. But uh, I, I never really saw the charm of Ray Palmer. I know a lot of people disagree with that, and God bless him. But to me, he was just some kind of, you know, just some kind of hustler. And I never, like a carnival barker. And I just didn't ever believe anything that he said. I mean, if he had told me the sun was shining, I'd have looked out the window to be sure. <laughs> but he was a character. I mean, he was harmless. He wasn't hurting anybody. Maybe scaring some people. But <laughs> that was about it. Well, Maury Island scared some people. Yeah, and, and the Shaver mystery scared some people. But Maury Island especially, because we're talking about something that happened. We're talking about the fact that he got a third-party Kenneth Arnold involved in going out there and investigating it, and you had all these crazy things that were going on at the time. So at least something there was interesting well, to follow up. It may have been a hoax. Yeah, I mean, it was a hoax, but it was, you know, like so many hoaxes, an unkillable one. There are still people promoting it. But it was just cooked up by a, by a con man named Fred Chrisman. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I don't think even Palmer really believed it ever, but he saw it was a chance to promote things. And one thing that gets people's attention is conspiracy theories and paranoia. And Palmer knew that, and he, he played on that. But, but it, I think that Palmer always had Fred Christman's number. Of course, Palmer also got shot down in a book called The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects by Edward Ruppelt who had once headed Project Blue Book. He called him the Chicago publisher and referred to this as being, what, one of the worst hoaxes in history? Well, it was because a couple of Air Force officers were killed in a plane crash while they were investigating it. And Ruppelt was understandably upset about this. The big concern, of course, is that plane crashes could occur anyway, but they didn't well, have to was, go there. They were on a... On a bomber that was notoriously susceptible to crashes. It was not a very well-built aircraft. And also, the two officers, uh, their names are Brown and Davidson, had concluded that this was just a nonsensical hoax, and they were on their way back to the Air Force Base from which they had flown to you know, tell their superiors as much that this is just a, a crude hoax and not bother with it. And, of course, there's tragic deaths get incorporated into the conspiracy theories and, and the paranoia and the, you know, the claim that they were killed because they knew too much, which is just not verifiable in any historical sense. But it's a good story. Right. And Palmer always knew good stories. Right. And the way he had set up in the book, The Coming of the Saucers, you almost thought that Kenneth Arnold was living through an X-Files Scenario many, many years before there was a program called The X-Files. I kind of wonder, when you think of things like Maury Island, whether TV shows like The X-Files in certain ways owe so much to that sort of thing. Well, the men in black make their first appearance in the Maury Island story. Sure. And so, you know, a lot followed from that in terms of the, you know, the mythology surrounding the early flying saucer era. And, of course, when you want to talk about any sort of conspiracy theory about secrecy, 
Well, there you go. Yeah. No, it's a great story. I've always been surprised that no one has ever made a movie around the Bory Island story. It's a great story. But if you read Arnold and Palmer's book, The Coming of the Saucers, and read Arnold's account carefully, not his editorial interpretations, but just read what's going on, it's very clear that he's being lied to. And that Arnold, who was naive because he grew up with people who didn't lie, you know, whose word was their bond. But these guys are lying to him. And if you read that, it's clear that that's what they're doing. And Arnold just isn't catching on to that because, you know, of his kind of conservative Western cultural background. He didn't realize that there were, you know, pathological liars out there. The only thing that troubled me about that whole book and what happened is the incident where his plane lost power because this power switch was turned off accidentally, and that seemed to infuse the paranoia of the episode. Right. It reminds me of a line in a Bob Dylan song, take what you have gathered from coincidence. And that's really where all conspiracy theories start. The question always is, is it just a Coincidence or something? There are, there are just coincidences. And also, you look at anything, and reality is such that it doesn't have clear and sharp lines. Some of the, lags, some of the lines are kind of ragged, and little things happen in the context of a larger narrative that don't quite fit. They don't unravel the whole narrative, usually. But nothing is completely clear-cut. If you're if some complicated experience is going to happen and you're trying to reconstruct it, there are always going to be pieces that don't quite fit. But the, the significance you want to attach to them is something else. And, you know, there are curiosities in the story that we hear about, about uh, Maury Island, but the larger reality is that even his kids and the kids of Harold Ball testified that, Chrisman was just a guy who made up stuff and was always involved in one scam or another. Remember, this guy had written Palmer earlier and claimed to have shot his way with a machine gun out of a cavern full of menacing tiros with these demonic entities in the Shaver Mystery. Now, I don't believe that the, the, the Shaver Mystery is true or that tiros exist or that Fred Chrisman shot his way out of a cave. So why should I believe his story about Maury Island? Particularly since the UPI reporter, the, I think it was United Press in those days, um, interviewed Harold Dahl at the time it happened. Harold Dahl was um, Christmas associate, and Dahl confessed that it was a hoax. After his wife waved a knife at him and said, tell its reporter the truth, you know, that's all part of the record. But the way you can take a story like that, and it becomes a legend in the UFO field. And I knew one guy, and he's no longer around, so I won't make a big deal of it. But he was actually investigating Chrisman to see if there was something more to his life. It gets very complicated. Jerome Clark, once an editor of Fate magazine, a UFO historian. Phyllis Galdi, the editor and publisher of Fate magazine. You're in the Paracast.
from the shackles of corporate America. We're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. For years, you've been hearing about Herbal Healer Academy and how it's remained the leader in effective, alternative, and natural medicine and education. But how can they continue to hold that title for years on end? The answer is high quality and huge selection. Just visit HerbalHealer.com and shop online or request a free catalog. You're bound to find the alternative you're looking for. Did you know that Herbal Healer carries the latest, safest, and effective weight loss products? You can also count on Herbal Healer for the largest selection of safe and natural supplements just for children. And don't forget your pets. Herbal Healer even has natural mineral supplements for all your animals, including horses, cows, and birds. Take a peek at their online calendar, and you're sure to find everything you need and maybe something you didn't realize you needed. Visit HerbalHealer.com and don't forget to sign up for the free Herbal Healer newsletter. HerbalHealer.com, working with the power of nature. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Paracast, Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. We have Jerome Clark and Phyllis Galdi. And for both of you, I have a question here from one of our regulars in the forums at forum.theparacast.com. Burnt State. First joined in 2012, so he's been a busy bee. Okay. It says here, the history of Fate magazine has included some very interesting debunkings of major paranormal tales. In your opinion, what has been the most important debunking featured in Fate over the years and why? Jerry? Well, probably um, the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) Fate actually ran one of the very first Bermuda Triangle articles in 1950, 1951, and um, paid a lot of attention before it became a national fad in the early 1970s. But Fate did publish an article by Larry Cush, who was the major debunker of the Bermuda Triangle, showing that allegedly mysterious disappearances kind of evaporated under investigation. One reason that we ran debunking articles was, first of all, we wanted the truth as near as it could be determined to be exposed. But we also knew that even if readers, at least some readers, didn't want to read about something that wasn't true, 
that it basically reassured the readership that we cared about whether what we published was credible or not. So at one point, we were publishing like, you know, maybe as much as one debunking article a month and just kind of, you know, clearing the bar. I'm proud of that. I think we did a good job. Phyllis, do you have any examples? Well, um, one of this is before my time about the Philadelphia experiment. Oh, yes. You've got to tell our listeners a little bit about the background of the Philadelphia experiment because we have some listeners who haven't heard this. Well, I think Mr. Clark would be better qualified for that. Jerry? Yeah, this whole thing started with some letters that um, Morris K. Jessup, who was an early 1950s UFO writer, authored several books. In fact, the first books that actually used UFO in the title, because it was a new phrase then. The case for the UFO and the expanding case for the UFO. Right. The UFO Annual and UFO in the Bible. There were four of them. And And it was a um, big thing or a big to-do because supposedly he took his own life. Well, he did take his own life. He got very depressed. His career wasn't going anywhere. He was running out of money. And he had a very rough time of it. And he uh, killed himself on April 20th, 1959. But in 1955, he got these letters from some guy who signed his name Carlos Allende. And they were just largely incoherent, and part of this was a marked-up copy of a paperback of Mitt Jessup's book, The Case of the UFO, and it hinted at all kinds of esoteric knowledge that Allende and several other people, apparently gypsies, knew all kinds of secrets about UFOs and other things, and it was all quite cryptic. And Anyway, the story developed out of there, and eventually became the subject of books and movies and a lot of excitement that there had been this, one of the things that Allende claimed was there had been this experiment in the Philadelphia Naval Yard in 1943, I believe, where a ship and its crew had been rendered invisible and all concerned and gone mad. They actually did a couple of movies about this. Right. And actually, one of them was pretty good. At least the one that I saw, that was, which was done as a science fiction drama, was actually quite an entertaining movie. But anyway, a fate reader named Bob Gorman, who's still associated with the magazine, living in Little Town, Pennsylvania, discovered that his neighbors, whom he had known all his life, were the parents of a guy named Carl Allen. And Carl Allen was this kind of drifter, and he was a nut, and he kind of maybe I should say, suffered from mental problems. That's a kind of way to put it. But he kind of shifted in and out of reality, and he told stories. And it turned out that Carlos Allende was really Carl Allen, and Carl Allen had was responsible for these letters and these stories about the Philadelphia experiment. Allen died a few years ago, and some people still persist in believing that he was a mysterious figure, but actually he was just sort of a tragic character who who dreamed and wandered. So, anyway, Fate ran an article about that, and that was, I think, one of our really important debunkings. Now, I remember that the Philadelphia Experiment generated loads of articles. Charles Burlitz did a book about it. He made a whole mysticism about the so-called, quote-unquote, annotated version of the case for the UFO and all that. And the thing I... Maybe you can explain to me... Someone actually reprinted the annotated version of the book for some kind of military agency or something? Yeah, the Office of Naval Research. Why? Well, 
That's never been entirely clear. There were several individuals in the office of the naval research who got interested in it. They were looking for fresh thinking about gravity and propulsion. And they were willing to look almost anywhere to see, you know, including what we would think of ordinarily as crank literature, to see if somebody had stumbled on something. And somebody there got really intrigued by this story about the annotated case for the UFO and uh, saw to it that a, that a formally printed version of the annotations was uh, made available in a very small printing. And I think that to some people, you know, this gave the story credibility. That, that 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 might be one reason the story survived, apart from just some crank letters that a UFO author had received, that the the ONR, the Office of Naval Research, actually seemed to have taken this seriously. But it really didn't amount to much when it was examined in the, in the responsible individuals interviewed many years ago. But it did give it some ostensible credibility, at least for a while. In passing, this is the sort of thing that seems to happen in a lot of fields, and that is something gets debunked, but it's never debunked, if you know what I mean. Exactly. And certainly this, the annotated edition of the case for the UFO. Oh, well. All right. Burnt State wants to give you the flip side of the question. So, okay, Phyllis and Jerry, on the flip side, what would you say is the most important and critical paranormal or esoteric story exposing an alternate reality that has been featured in the magazine over the years. <laughs> you want to take that one, Phyllis? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, hey, I haven't even got to respond on the skept- and the, the debunking stuff yet. Let's have you do that, and then we'll go back to this one. Yeah, go okay. Ahead. First of all, uh, debunking... Um, well, of course, fate uh, debunked the movie and, and TV version of the Amityville Horror and, and the book version. So we were probably unpopular for that. I mean, you know, they just took that and, and ran and, and went crazy with embellishing the story, which really, really didn't quite happen. Happen like, uh, was it Blatty, Peter Blatty, uh, told about it. So we, we did uh, the Amityville Horror debunked that. And um, the phone psychics, we, we called out people like the Miss Cleo stuff. We warned people about uh, you can't believe all all the psychics, uh, 900 lines. And um, remember Star Baby? That uh, we, we debunked the skeptics, so to speak, because they, they don't believe in anything paranormal. And I'm sure Jerry remembers the, the time when that was written. I remember that vividly. I was... The guy in charge of that, the fade off. Yes. Yeah, no, I spent a lot of, I worked almost full time on that for several months. Now, going back to Amityville Horror, I want to ask you there. Okay, obviously, when you make a movie, you don't expect a movie to represent more than a rough approximation of something that, even if it's based on truth, unless it's an historical drama. So, we're going to have to wrap up this segment in a moment, Phyllis, but can you tell us? What about the Amityville Horror? And a lot of our listeners have probably seen the movie. And I think they did a remake, too. What about it was completely different? It was just embellished. I I actually met the son of the people who lived there. You know, how it was told and what came down really were were different things. Of course, that's Hollywood. I I guess we're used to that now. They take a, a tiny bit of a story and then just like The Exorcist, too, they made that 
way more than it, what actually happened. We'll have more than what you might expect. More than what might have actually happened? I don't know. Phyllis Galdi of Fate, Jerome Clark, joining us. You're in... The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can guess a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll Call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you, it rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? I hope not. Now get your supplies organized and meet me down at the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM1 from Terraganics. 
Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast, Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. Phyllis Galdi, editor-publisher of Fates, with us. Jerome Clark joins us. Let's go back to the second part of the question from Burnt State, and I'll read that. On the flip side, what would you say is the most important and critical paranormal or esoteric story exposing an alternate reality that has been featured in the magazine over the years? Jerry Clark? Well, I don't really think that question is answerable. Demands a definition of evidence, uh, you know, persuasiveness, documentation that can't be answered in a, in a really kind of sweeping way. What you get mostly with anomalies in the paranormal is what I call memory and testimony. You don't get physical evidence very often. You don't get the kinds of evidence we require, for example, if I claim there was an unknown squirrel living in my backyard. I think that I could eventually document that even short of having to kill the animal, which I wouldn't want to do. But with with paranormal and anomalous experience, you're really dealing with things that are vividly perceived by an individual and are genuinely anomalous and unexplained experiences. But that by their nature, they're not provable. They exist only, as I said earlier, in memory and testimony. And so, yes, you can have this experience, and you can be sincere, and you can be sane. In fact, that describes hundreds of millions of people over the history of humanity who have had extraordinary experiences, but you can't prove it. And so we try to put into a category of, yes, it happened, or no, it didn't happen. What if there's some third character, in some third characteristic between those? And that's where so much of this happens. You know, I have myself saw, as I've told on the show before, uh, you know, a phantom quadruped in my front lawn on um, three separate occasions. And um, I can't prove it. I can remember it. I believe I'm sane. I know I'm sincere. But I can't prove it. So much, much of fake content was people's experiences of things that were very real to them that didn't appear to be hoaxes or hallucinations in any ordinarily understood definition, were very puzzling to them, stayed with them because they couldn't make sense of them. But in the end, were just memory and testimony. 
Now, you know, you can deal with things like, you know, uh, uh, there's a few UFO cases that rise above that and, and leave open the question of extraterrestrial visitation and somebody else's technology. But most experiences of the extraordinary are just that. You can't, there don't seem to be events. They don't seem to be illusions. They're just something with the characteristics of both of them. Well, this kind of forms something we asked about before, but this is the third question. I think part of this has been answered already, but I'll bring it up because we can expand on your response, Jerry. Fate has featured a wide-ranging set of stories that include both the improbable and very possible. What for you is the driving philosophy behind the magazine to be informative or to be entertaining? How important is fact confirmation in this publication. Jerry first. Well, as I said earlier in, in this conversation, uh, it was what we as fate editors try to do was to get people to sign affidavits. If, if they mentioned somebody else who was there when it happened, we would contact that person and ask him or her to affirm that it happened or provide an affidavit. And, you know, we, we did some fact-checking. I think that overwhelmingly fate contributors were describing sincerely things that they had seen or experienced. And, and if we found out that we'd been lied to, I remember one particular case, well, I remember several particular cases where we found out that we'd been bamboozled, and we ran prominent retractions explaining why the story wasn't true and how we had found out that it wasn't true. Now, I don't think it's a question of whether something is informative or entertaining. Those are not mutually exclusive categories. I mean, we're entertained all the time by things that are also inform us. Now, something like this here. When you find something is false, obviously you'll expose it. I get the sense, though, that in large part because we're talking about things that people experience, if someone seems real, seems sincere, the story seems to have an air of fact to it. At least it seems to be somebody honestly trying to express what happened to them. That's as far as you can go, right? I think so. I think the problem we have when we're dealing with these things is that we're set in this kind of binary thinking. Something is or it isn't. And we're dealing with things that are kind of like, um, that have something of the quality of, of dreams and something of the quality of real things that we encounter in quotidian reality. The problem we have with this is that we just don't have the imagination to conceive of the really, really fantastic nature of these things, because it it just defies our intuitive understanding of how things work. For example, we assume that events and experiences are synonymous. What if they're not? What if there are things that are experiences and genuinely puzzling experiences that aren't events? And I think we have to think like that when we're dealing with, like, the ghostly quadruped that appeared in my front lawn. Even I, who has spent my whole life studying these things, reading about them, talking to people, interviewing people, it took me weeks before I could accept that I had seen something extraordinary. We're just socially programmed not to deal with these things or to laugh at people who claim otherwise. Do you think then, and maybe Phyllis, you can add your comments to this, do you think then that a lot of people who read Fate magazine use it to validate their own experiences. They pick up the magazine, they see, oh, somebody else had this happen too. Phyllis? Sure. 
I would like to um, comment on, you know, best paranormal thing. I think the heart and soul of Fate Magazine are the true mystic experiences and my proof of survival. Stories about people who have had extraordinary experiences, have seen things, and have communicated with people after they have died. And I, I really believe that's why Fate has ex existed as long as it has, is the big thing, life after death. We want assurance we're not, when we die, we're not just going to disappear in a puff of dust, and that's it, that the soul lives on. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of stories that are similar in the content. The details are, are vastly different, but the content is different. I'd like to quickly share one of my stories. My partner, my life partner, David Godwin, who was the managing editor, and he was really the brains of fate. I was in the mouth, and, and he was the scholar and brilliant and, and actually put the magazine together. He unexpectedly and surprisingly died. We lived together, and he was. I went in to check his bedroom and tell him to turn his light off because we had a guest sleeping in the living room, a girlfriend, and he was dead. He was lying in a, a you know, sitting in his rocking chair, and boom, he was gone. It just, like, shouldn't have happened. I was just absolutely horrified and shocked and in a, in a bad state for about a year. We'll continue the story about the death of Phyllis Scaldi's partner, her companion, and what happened after that. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. We have Jerome Clark, Phyllis Galdi. You're in the Paracast. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Curious about what comes next? Next is the feeling of vulnerability you get after you arrive home to discover your house has been ransacked by burglars. Fool the bad guys with a new improved fake TV. You asked for it, we listened, and we made our new fake TV three times brighter than our previous model. The brightness of our new fake TV is equivalent to a 40-inch TV. It simulates the color and motion of a real TV while you're away from home. And when burglars think someone is home watching television, they're likely to pass your house and move on to an easier target. The new, brighter Fake TV is only $39.95 and includes free shipping. Go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. 
I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. For years, you've been hearing about Herbal Healer Academy and how it's remained the leader in effective, alternative, and natural medicine and education. But how can they continue to hold that title for years on end? The answer is high quality and huge selection. Just visit HerbalHealer.com and shop online or request a free catalog. You're bound to find the alternative you're looking for. Did you know that Herbal Healer carries the latest, safest, and effective weight loss products? You can also count on Herbal Healer for the largest selection of safe and natural supplements just for children. And don't forget your pets. Herbal Healer even has natural mineral supplements for all your animals, including horses, cows, and birds. Take a peek at their online calendar, and you're sure to find everything you need and maybe something you didn't realize you needed. Visit HerbalHealer.com and don't forget to sign up for the free Herbal Healer newsletter. HerbalHealer.com, working with the power of nature. This is Jacques Vallée and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Jerome Clark and Phyllis Galdi joining us. And Phyllis, who's editor-publisher of Fate, was reporting about how she discovered that her partner, her life partner, had died suddenly. How old was he when this happened? Seventy-two, about. Oh, that's not old anymore. No, no. It, it was. I mean, his mom lived to 97. He was supposed to live uh, forever, too, because the longevity, his aunt was like over 100. So, yeah, it was, it was a total shock. Be that as it may, it was, it was a horrible experience. At the next morning, the dogs still have to go for their walk, right? You know, they have to have their constitutional. So I, I took them out in the woods where I, we have this path, and I kept hearing the word Salima. Salima, Salima. Of course, that's Alistair Crowley's um, system of magic. And I thought, what the heck? So I came back to the house and um, was messing around on the computer because David had everything, all the information on his computer. Well, it turned out Salima was the password to get onto his email. So he communicated that to me. You know, he kept he kept uh, saying it over and over in my head. It was like a broken record. And and. Um, interesting and and i i guess i'm less of a skeptic than jerry is jerry's very pragmatic and i i'm more of an experiential person i've had a lot of really strange experiences and and i grew up to be a, a skeptical farm girl so when when i have an experience i pay attention to it but anyway uh, david um via a medium is this 
said that he wants to document life after death, and that's really what the magazine was about. So he is continuing to uh, communicate with me and uh, directly and also through a really wonderful medium here in the Twin Cities, and he's open for any questions, and he will answer them uh, from his level of understanding in the spirit world. It's pretty cool. I hear him behind me talking quite often. Now, we have some people in our forums who are skeptical about such things. So how did you validate that this medium was actually in communication with David? Well, one thing um, that she's actually I've talked to probably three or four different mediums, and they the fact that they say similar things, and, and one of them said, you know, I'm still a sloth. Well, David was kind of overweight and kind of pudgy and, and kind of slow-moving. He used his, his brain more than he did his, his physical body. And I don't know how any of them would have known that he was a sloth. I mean, we teased him and called him a sloth all the time. And and the fact that he, you know, he, he communicated the, the password. And I have an intern here who is learning to format books, and uh, she couldn't figure out how to do it using a Quark Express. And and she felt David behind her telling, use this master list, use this, and, and, and she did what she heard, and it worked. And those, those are a couple. Uh, yeah, his, his, his character seems to come through very clear who he was. Now you've got to run the magazine yourself. How do you keep it going? Well, I didn't for a while. For a year, I just kind of kind of shut down. But I have uh, some wonderful, wonderful interns here who are uh, helping. So you're in the process of kind of catching up to schedule and getting things exactly. back on track, of course. And things are just kind of falling into place. And I like to think I have some, some help from the other side, wherever it's coming from. You know, I want to just say something here, a couple of things. First of all, I agree with Phyllis entirely that true missing experiences and proof of survival are at the heart of the magazine, and they always have been. She's absolutely right about that. Second thing is that I'm, I'm, she referred to me as a skeptic. I, I don't think of myself as a skeptic. I was just describing the way that extraordinary phenomena come to us and what their characteristics are. I don't doubt at all that there are extraordinary phenomena. I've experienced them myself. It's just that I'm kind of agnostic about, you know, what what exactly they are. I think that they are so far beyond the knowledge currently available to us that about all we can talk about when we talk about them is kind of to describe how they happened, what they're, what they're like, what their characteristics are. And um, I just think that we have to be cautious about conclusions, but there's no question that extraordinary phenomena occur all the time to all kinds of people. And I'm always open-minded, like when Phil is talking about David, at least I'm have great respect for Phyllis's opinion, and I, I listen to what she's saying, and I, she, she may very well be right about all of this. She knows a lot more about her and David and their life together and his personality than I will ever know. Phyllis, let's go back to your childhood. You said you've experienced lots of unusual things throughout your life. Starting when, can you give us an example or two? Probably when I was about five years old. Okay. Um, I slept in a little bedroom in our little far, old farmhouse off the living room, and um, every night I would wake up and I would see this image standing in the doorway. 
It scared the Evan Levitt crap out of me. I, I was just absolutely terrified because I was sure this white image was coming to hurt me or kill me or do something bad. So I would shut my eyes and jump out of bed and run in the other room and, and jump in bed with my mom and dad. And I must have hated, hated me having a little brat kid crawl in bed with them for their marital life. But anyway, I, I was for years. I, I would see this 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 image there, and then when I was I don't know, 25 or something, I came back up home in North Dakota to visit the folks, and and I talking about my experiences in that room, and and they say, oh yeah, your grandfather died in that room, and like, duh, if they would have told me that, uh, I I thought it was a mean mean creature, something that was was really going to hurt me, but really it was probably just my grandfather. And then I got a, uh, kind of interested in spiritualism, studied that for a little while, and went to a um, spiritualist camp and got to go to a seance. So then we got the bright idea to have a seance in our old family farmhouse because we, we pretty much felt the place was haunted. So we, we um, blacked out uh, all the windows, hung uh, blankets over them, and we had a... a a good supply of beer, so we had some bottled courage and uh, uh, said a prayer and sat around this wooden table and oh my gosh, we had some strange phenomena. Um, my grandfather came through. My my daughter was in college at the time, and we we had all our hands on the table, um, fingertips to fingertips touching, so we formed a, a connection with all. And both my daughter and I felt my grandfather's hands on the top of our hands like a calloused hand that and it was like pressure there it was really a powerful feeling and one of the girls was like almost pulled under the table by probably some less desirable entity and i was able to speak um with uh with the energy of my um my brother's mother-in-law, well, I guess my sister-in-law's mother, she had died of a, she had a stroke. And I, I was like, uh, 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 you know, groaning. I couldn't talk as I, I was, um, I guess, trying to speak through her uh, vocal cords and she wanted to tell her grandkids that she loved them. So we, we had um, lots, started out with, with ghosts in the old house. And, and it was a, a mark of courage if you had to sleep in the ghost room. I think there's some kind of a vortex or portal there because pretty much everybody who slept in that room had really strange experiences. Does that become sort of a game? I dare you to sleep in that room. No, we wouldn't tell them about it sometimes. Uh, we we would be innocent about it uh, and uh, tell them you know you get to sleep sleep in the bedroom and and really my nephew grew up uh, in that house and he didn't have a choice he had to sleep in there in that room and and I was you know not that much older I had gone away to live someplace else but but anyway um, Darren had had to sleep in there and he would cry all the time every night because there was there was something going on. Oh, boy. We're going to do a break now and get back to more of this discussion with Jerome Clark and Phyllis Galdi about Fate Magazine and about their personal experiences, opinions, and more. You're in the Paracast. We are the 
premier independent talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Ouch! My back is out again! Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design 
design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. This is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're talking about primarily Fate Magazine. We'll get into the state of paranormal research as we continue with Jerome Clark and Phyllis Galdi. So... These days, correct me if I'm wrong, we have Fate Magazine as a publication, but there aren't that many publications anymore I cover these subjects. There are blogs. Sometimes you see, like, Huffington Post has a UFO column every so often. But do you think you're part of a dying breed, Phyllis? Well, I guess if fate is meant to be, to continue on, we will have support and help to, to keep it going. So I am, I'm willing to be there and help as long as it's, uh, it's viable and it's, it's, uh, surviving. It seems like there's a little resurgence now. Is it still available on a regular newsstand? No, no. The newsstand is like throwing away several thousand dollars an issue. We should explain what this is all about, because unless you're a really big publisher with a big budget, small magazines cannot make it on the newsstand. That's been the case for a long time, where you basically had to send out thousands of magazines, be lucky if you sold 20 or 30 percent of them, and the rest, they didn't just ship them back to you. They sent back the covers or an affidavit to say, hey, we only sold 20 percent of what you sent us. Here's your payment, and the rest of the magazines were thrown out. Sure. Right. So it it gets to be a huge loss every issue. Well, I mean, sure is that they end up at places that sell used books. You see these magazines, and you wonder, where they get them from? And did the publisher of those magazines get paid for them? No, no, you get ripped off. I used to buy uh, comic books when I was growing up in North Dakota in the local drugstore, and they had the covers ripped off, so you got three for a dime or something. And, of course, they were returns that maybe somebody else had gotten paid for. Here's kind of a disenchanted former reader. Let's just get his comment, and you can give me a response. His name is Dave M. He's been a member of the Paracast Forum since December of 2007. And he's going to continue until he gets it right. I'm kidding. He says, Phyllis, I am sorry to say I was a regular reader of Fate magazine, but I became disenchanted with the magazine. The size of the magazine became smaller, and then my local Barnes & Noble dropped it completely. I lost interest after that. Do you really think a digital version will increase your readership? And before we go on, Phyllis just explained that it's no longer available from the newsstands. Correct. It is not on the newsstands. 
Now, we are um, certainly will consider getting it back on the newsstands when we have caught up to our regular uh, schedule, but we're running like several months behind on our issues. And basically so, with newsstands, what they do is they take off the magazine, they remove it from sale when it hits the cover date. Right. And if the cover date is four months ago, it never goes on the newsstand. Exactly. So what do you say to this person to get them interested again? Well, I'd be happy to send them a free issue, or if they want to log on to our website, they can get a free e-issue and see if they like the content now. The content has always been faithfully um, interesting, but we we just can't... Uh, can't have it on the newsstand until we we get caught up, and that's what our goal is this year to get uh, to become current again, and then we'll relook at the newsstand. But really, the best thing is to subscribe to the magazine. That's the majority of our readers that they've. That it's always been subscription driven. As you said, newsstands. It's very difficult. Here's one from Angelo. He's been a member of our forum since 2009. A former forum moderator. And Angelo is a skeptic. Okay? I'm going to get that out of the way. Both of you, Phyllis and Jerry, what's the most bizarre story you've ever printed that you believe can actually be true? Is there anything that was printed that you thought was the real thing that ended up being debunked? Well, Phyllis and Jerry, you both mentioned stuff that's been debunked. So is that question sort of answered there or what? I, I, I think it's answered. I mean, you know, you try your best, and um, some, sometimes something will slip through the cracks, and um, and then if you find out that you've been fooled, you let your readers know, and you tell them why you were fooled, and, and um, you just be honest about it. I think that you have to be honest with your readers if you're going to keep your readers. You have to say, look, we're imperfect. And we'll make mistakes and work with us and we'll do our best. Phyllis, mm -hmm. the word bizarre. What you do you think that's a really biz a bizarre story you think is really true? Well, I, I don't know if this is uh, provable, but one of the creepiest stories that I remember publishing was uh, these two uh, gentlemen, uh, Caucasian, maybe from the United States, were up in Canada on their snowmobiles. And um, they met with some foul weather or, or disappeared or went over a snowbank. Uh, and uh, they found the body. I think they found both snowmobiles. They found the one guy. The other guy, they never found his body. Only several months later, they found this creature. So it's like he had shape-shifted into something that, that, you know, he was naked, he was running around. Some some entity had overtaken his body, and, and he was still able to function and move around. And, and several people had seen him, but he was like some bizarre, ghoulish creature. That, that kind of creeped me out. And the fact that there were witnesses who actually saw him on more than one occasion uh, gives it some credibility. That would creep me out, too. Jerry, what about you? Oh, I couldn't answer that question. You know, I've read about a gazillion bizarre stories in my life, and they all kind of blur together. I, you know, I just, if I'm writing about them, I focus on them. And But when I think about the questions that, you know, extraordinary experiences and reports raise, 
I'm really thinking more in broad theoretical terms these days, and I'm not focusing on, on specific instances. It's the patterns that interest me because it's the patterns that eventually will, you know, elicit an answer. But in the meantime, just seeing what happens in credible, extraordinary testimony and what doesn't happen is what interests me. And I have developed this theoretical system, which I've talked on the show about before and written about the, uh, you know, the difference between, um, you know, event anomalies and experience anomalies. And that's what interests me. I just accept that people can have very, very strange experiences. It's a question of, you know, what do they mean? What do they represent? What can we learn and infer about them? And I, generally, I just think that the living in the world is... Uh, probably a stranger experience than, than we realize. And the possibilities of experience are much broader than a, than the narrow consensus reality focus claims. You know, it's very interesting. I'm just looking at a copy of Fate magazine here, and this is issued number 723, which is July, August 2013. And you look at the magazine, and you think how the magazine looked over the years. And you've got it to a point where, in many respects, it's the same as the magazine from the 1950s, which is really good. Yes, it has a very retro look. Mm-hmm. And you've kept that, I guess, avoided all the extra things going on. Do you get involved, though, much in the social networking, the Twitter, the Facebook, and that kind of thing? I personally don't, but uh, some of my helpers are, are very aware of all that. I do have another creepy story for you, too. Another creepy story. We have about a minute before we break. But let's, oh, start, let's, the, let's start the creepy story. And if we run out of time, we'll do the break and pick it up on the other end. Phyllis? It's called Robert the Haunted Doll. Lives in Key West, Florida. And, and probably people have heard of this doll. All right. But, but yeah, it's kind of like a cursed doll. It sounds even, like there's uh, a movie or two like that, isn't there? Like Chucky or something Chucky, like that. Chucky, yeah. This is this is probably the um, source for the Chucky movie. Okay. Now that's something that I'm going to hold to the next segment. Let's learn about a living doll, an evil doll, about the source of the Chucky stories. Hmm. Phyllis Galdi is the editor-in-chief and publisher of Fate Magazine at fatemag.com if you want to check it out and look at a sample copy and maybe subscribe. Jerome Clark, UFO historian, formerly worked with Fate, and he still writes for them. Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. You're in... The Paracast. largest independently owned communications network GCN Does advertising on the Genesis Communications radio network actually bring positive results? Let's ask Thomas Baldrick from Free Strike Guy. Thomas, talk about customer service at GCN. GCN is extraordinary in how they take care of their customers. The bottom line, Freeze Dry Guy keeps advertising on GCN because it works. If you'd like to experience unbelievable customer service, call Lee Wickenhauser at 877-996-4327, extension 107. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. All righty. So, Phyllis Galdi and Jerry Clark joining us for four more segments. Phyllis, you're saying this may have been the source of the Chucky movies. Right, and you can, if you're in Florida, you can go to um, the Fort East Martello Museum and and see it there. And it started around in the 1900s. This four-year-old kid got a doll, and they called it Robert the Doll, and it was created in his likeness. It, it looked like him, and, and the kid was um, obsessed with it. And he got some kind of a weird fixation on the doll and blamed all the naughty things on the doll. And then the the parents heard him talking to the doll. And uh, then there was a different tone of voice that responded. And then when his parents died, he he, uh, was still attached to the doll as an adult. The wife was just creeped out by it. She tried to lock the doll in the attic and the the guy... um, just went crazy. He insisted on keeping it. So there was like like shape shifting and and, and disfiguration and uh, they lock this locked doll up in the attic. You could hear footsteps and diabolical laughing and and the doll. The next owner thought the doll was uh, torturing her and trying to kill her. Eventually, uh, he made it to the museum where he's there. Nobody wants to piss off the doll. Even uh, former President uh, Bush wrote a letter of apology to it. Because people who see it, and if they do anything bad, then they have bad luck, whether they know about the doll's past or not. So it's something I would want to avoid, because it is real, and there's many, many stories of its diabolical abilities or intentions, and they think that the original kid was given given the doll that had been made by a, a Jamaican woman who had uh, cast a voodoo spell on it. 
So next time you see a Chucky movie, realize that some of these movies is not just a couple of writers in a room coming up with an idea. They'll go into folklore. They'll go into stories. They'll take something and they will use it as the basis for that movie. A lot of people uh, um, request information for us about uh, stories for movies or TV or ideas. It was said by... Previous people that uh, X Files, Chris Carter used a lot of fate stories as a basis for their uh, segments. But he never called you up and said, "Hey, I'll send you a check." Oh no! Oh no! It's the fate is the real X Files. Okay, let me ask you a question here, both of you. Now these days, a lot of the media coverage about strange events is confined to so-called reality shows. Do you think if a producer for one of those channels came to you, National Geographic, History, whatever, and said, let's do a fake magazine thing, what would you do? Uh, It's already might be happening. All right. But I'm not allowed to say anything else. Now, one thing I mentioned before we got on the air, there's now a new reality show called Hangar One, which I guess is based on MUFON case histories, but... Jerry, you were telling me they just bought the rights to use MUFON's name? I'm not associated with MUFON. I never have been. MUFON, of course, is the Mutual UFO Network, and uh, which is an organization that's been around since, I think, about 1969 or so. And MUFON has done a lot of good work, and it's also gotten involved in a lot of foolishness. I think that MUFON is kind of a hybrid of a UFO research organization and a flying saucer club. How so? Well, there are always people in the organization. I think, unfortunately, a minority, but not necessarily a tiny minority, but a minority who have some kind of intellectual discipline and want to analyze cases and investigate them reasonably and come to reasonable conclusions and with, uh, you know, reasonable documentation. And then there are other people who don't really have that kind of critical intelligence and just sort of are, you know, your stereotypical true believers who are in it for the stories and the mystery and the intrigue and so on. And so the magazine, the MUFON's journal, if you read it, caters really to both crowds that you can read about some pretty decent investigations, and then you can read a lot of stuff that's just crazy and wildly speculative and even gullible. And I think that, um, you know, these many, many shows on anomalies and paranormal on cable television, most of them are, are no good. They're just crap. And they're kind of lowest common denominator shows. And um, they're, they're, they pretend to be documentaries, but they're really just kind of entertainment. And I have not seen the particular show you mentioned, but I have been in conversation with certain individuals connected with MUFON, whom I will not name because it would get them into trouble. Sure. Who say that, that this operation bought the rights to the MUFON name and and was basically the contract said they could do anything they wanted with it and they're doing anything they want with it, which apparently is a lot of really silly stuff that um, it doesn't deserve the attention of any serious-minded person curious about, you know, what the realities and unrealities of the UFO phenomenon are. 
what we're talking about here is maybe emphasizing a few cases that are crazy to begin with. Yeah, or maybe even fictional. Possibly. But what they apparently are doing, which is just as bad, is they'll show illustrations which appear to be documents, like government documents on the air, and they're fabricated documents. And not always well-fabricated, very clumsily fabricated, but just something to look good on the screen. And that takes it even further. You know, sometimes you can take an event, you can debate whether it's real or not. And if you're faithful to the facts and the presentation, well, then you can look at it and say, well, I don't agree with that. But if you just make things up, this is working into the hands of skeptics, as you know. Well, it violates Mary Margaret Fuller's dictum that we don't have to believe it, but it has to be capable of belief. If it's something that no reasonable person could believe, that's be, that's simply not even arguable, then it's just nothing. It, it debunks itself. And of course, people who aren't concerned about such things just want to be entertained for an hour. They'll turn on the show, they'll watch it, maybe they'll be interested. I have no idea about the ratings of Hangar 1. I know other shows that have tried to do this have not succeeded so well. We had, for example, Chasing UFOs. One of the co-host was James Fox, who regrets having participated in that show. And I think he believed that maybe he could bring something to the table. It's not quite as blatant as what Hangar One is doing. But I guess you can't expect much more from it. So how, in that framework, and Phyllis, you can add to this without giving us any details, how do you provide accurate information and a presentation that has fidelity to the facts. How do you do it? That's a very difficult question because when you sign an agreement for TV or movie, you pretty much sign all rights away. This this happens across the board with a lot of people who have written books. And yeah, they, they can pretty much do whatever they want. I'll give you one more example. Hollywood optioned one of the UFO books from Major Donald Kehoe. And I think he believed they would do something that's UFO-oriented. And I know Jerry knows what movie I'm talking about. And it wasn't a bad movie, by the way. It was no, only... it was a... You're talking about Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Sure, Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Which a hugely entertaining movie. The special effects were done by Ray Harryhausen, which is, of course, right. a stop-motion animation. And it had some of the best special effects of a Flying Saucer-type film I've ever exactly. seen. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, good performances, interesting story, but the only thing that related in any way to UFOs is the introduction where the narrator gives you a brief overview of the UFO mystery. And that was it. Kehoe was embarrassed beyond belief as a result, by the way. Jerome? Yeah, he tried to have his name taken off the credits, but they wouldn't do it. And if you see the movie, you'll see that it's quote-unquote based on flying saucers from outer space by, by Donald Kehoe. We have Jerome Clark and Phyllis Galdi. Three more segments coming. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com 
That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Amanda Bosold here from Midas Resources. Today, March 21st, 2014, gold opened at $1339.50. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for $1387.93, dollars 93 96 for a half ounce, or $346.98 for a quarter ounce. Again, that's $1387.93, $693.96, and $346.98. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explained this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast, Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. We have 
Phil Descaldi of Fate Magazine, and Jerome Clark, a UFO historian who used to work for Fate Magazine. And yes, if you look up the credits, Hollywood bought an option on Keogh's book. That option lets them do anything. I think that Kehoe should have been more philosophical about it, because after all, this was a science fiction film. It didn't pretend to be a documentary. It sounded to me like he was either very naive or didn't pay attention, but certainly if you're going to option a property to Hollywood, you have to have a good lawyer there. (laughs) A really, really good lawyer, because you know, unless you have a high-power lawyer, or you have some previous history in Hollywood, prepare to be taken. (laughs) You got it. But that, oh, I can just, and Kehoe, of course, was trying to be so serious about everything. Well, Kehoe, actually, in Kehoe's defense, one of the Kehoe's missions, and I didn't fully understand this until I wrote my UFO Encyclopedia series, where I was really immersed in you know, the details and the arcana of the of ufology in the 1950s and reading private correspondence and rereading the publications. And what Kehoe was trying to do was to make the study of UFOs respectable. And in those days, it was up for grabs. And what Kehoe did was perfectly honorable. And he saw that if this thing isn't taken seriously, we're not going to know what's going on. He was exactly right. And I think that he saw this movie as apparently ending in some kind of documentary which would have a measurable effect on public opinion. And I think the book was optioned just because they wanted to make, you know, a, a, a science fiction movie with flying saucers. And they, and in Hollywood's end, they may have been afraid that if they had done that without paying Kehoe, who was the most prominent UFO author of the time, some money, he would sue them. So you can see things in both ends of this. So this transaction was defensive. Yeah, I think it, I think it may very well have been. I think they they may not have wanted to get sued, and and, and Kehoe may have seen that he had some pr- proprietary interest in the whole concept of flying saucers, and he could have made a legal case out of this. I think they probably paid him. You know, I don't think they paid him a vast amount of money. But they paid him enough money so that he wouldn't bother them in court after the movie came out. And I think that the two, the two sides were probably speaking different languages and misreading each other. Also, I think with Kehoe, I always had this impression of someone very naive about what would happen. Like, for example, he said, let's get congressional hearings on UFOs. This is going to be it. These congressmen are honest Brokers, they will find out the truth. It seemed to be over his head about the political ramifications. And of course, when they finally had hearings about UFOs in the 1960s, we got the Condon Report. Well, I think that Kehoe had actually spent most of his professional life in Washington. And I think that he thought in terms of, you know, Washington solutions to problems. And if you become convinced that the Air Force is not telling the truth, that it's covering up what it knows, you know, congressional hearings aren't any rational response to that. It's just that it turned out to be a misguided one. And that uh, the best work that NICAP did, which was documenting and investigating uh, sightings, never really got the attention it deserved. And I didn't even fully understand it myself until I was working on the encyclopedia and began getting access to the 
reports that the NICAP investigative subcommittees were filing and seeing what an incredibly good job they were doing. But if you read the NICAP publications, you read very little about that. You read mostly about the, you know, the perfidy of of the Air Force and its its, its cover up, and all that just seems to have kind of evaporated into mist over time. And the history has not validated either that interpretation or the approach that followed from it, namely congressional hearings. Kehoe was just simply misguided. And yet he was, in a sense, a heroic figure in understanding that UFO reports were genuinely puzzling and possibly deeply significant and deserving of more than they were getting from official and, and military agencies. And you know, by the way, Major Kehoe, if you look at his bio, he also wrote fiction, by the way. And he yeah, was he wrote cre- a lot of pulp fiction, right? Right, and he created superheroes. As a matter of fact, he created one called Richard Knight, who was supposed to be a World War I veteran. Listen to this now. He's blinded in combat, but gains a supernatural ability to see in the dark. I wonder if Daredevil, the Marvel character, was influenced by that. Richard Knight, created by Major Donald Kehoe. Think about that. There was a comic book character named Ray Palmer, as you may know. Right, and he was called Ant-Man. Ant-Man. He could make himself very small. And, of course, the real Ray Palmer was very small. So, yeah, there was something in that. Yeah. No, it was an intentional homage to the real Ray Palmer, as I understand it, according to the Fred Natus, uh, Palmer's biographer. Yes. But think about that. I'm just thinking about Major Kehoe as someone who created superheroes. Hmm. His writing in his UFO books is clearly influenced by his pulp writing. I mean, those books are written like, you know, I mean, they're they're factual, although in retrospect, pretty speculative. But they're written like pulp fiction. You know, the the writing style in Keel's books is really corny and dated. And I always thought of them as being pulp mystery novels. Yes. Heavy on dialogue, light on right. description. Yep. And he'd recreate conversations with people to present a case. <laughs> Well, he did take, I was told, I was talking with someone who knew Kehoe about exactly that, these improbable recreated conversations, and the individual said that Kehoe was just a fanatical note-taker, and he did write down these conversations as they were happening or very soon after they happened. So he thought that the conversations were, were, you know, were fairly accurate. He wasn't tape recording, apparently, but he was, you know, a great, journalistic note-taker. So the conversations apparently aren't quite as fictitious as they read, but there's a lot in those books where the prose is so clumsy and heavy-handed that you just sort of cringe, and nobody would write a UFO book like that today. You know, I got the impression that Captain Rupel tried to imitate Kehoe in writing his book. Well, I think a lot of, uh, of uh, Rupel's book was ghost-written. You know, he had a, a the big editorial hand of a of a reporter from um, God. I can't remember the guy's name. His name shows up here and there. And probably that reporter, no doubt, was influenced by Kehoe, saying, "Well, this is the best-selling UFO book. Let's make it read like that." Well, I think that the report is a lot better written than Kehoe's books. I've you know I've gone back to Rupel on a number of occasions in my own writing. And I think that's one of the best written of the early UFO books. 
The report on unidentified flying objects, Captain Edward Ruppelt. So if you want to look that up, a lot of fascinating cases there. Of course, we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the Maury Island case and the Chicago publisher and the Chicago publisher, of course, being Ray Palmer. We'll have more to come and some more questions of Jerry Clark in our next segment. Jerome Clark, Phyllis Galdi, you're in the Paracast. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $29.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. 
There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Okay, Chris O'Brien is on special assignment this week. He'll be back next week. We'll be talking about his new book, Stalking the Herd. Phyllis Galdi, Jerry Clark, you guys at Fate have much information about cattle mutilations? Um, well, we haven't really done much recently on cattle mutilations. I guess people realize they exist, and um, I'm I'm skeptical, uh, probably unless I see one myself. Jerry, I, I think the problem is that even if Phyllis or I saw one ourselves, we simply you know lack the the forensic skills sure. to know whether this really is genuine. Right. So would you publish a story like that, though? We have. We have published things on cattle mutilation. We have some questions from Jerome Clark here from Burnt State. He's back again, and he has three more questions. So I think some of this has been answered already, but let's go into detail. Jerry, his first question. Over the years, what role and impact did Fate Magazine have in shaping your own approach and philosophy towards the UFO and paranormal fields? Well, I suppose, broadly speaking, I could say that it gave me a respect for people's experiences. And people's kind of frustration in communicating you know, fantastic experiences to other people because their you know, social pressure demands that we not believe in these things or take them seriously. And it puts people who claim otherwise into various kinds of uh, stereotypes, none of them flattering. And so I realized that one reason people read Fate was that it had a strange experience. And reading it, columns like True Mystic Experiences or My Proof of Survival helped them realize that other people were having these experiences and that, therefore, they weren't crazy because they maybe even questioned their own sanity after they were laughed at enough by their friends and neighbors. But beyond that, fate certainly influenced me. But, you know, I, my interest in those subjects predated my even reading fate. And I have had input from all kinds of sources of information and from people that I respect and just a wide range of kind of a growingly kind of cool intellectual approach to these matters. And so, 
Yes, fate was part of that mix, but it's a huge mix. And there were many influences that have gone into my thinking over the decades. But I, I continue to love Fate Magazine and to be honored that I get to have a column in it. Who are the writers and favorite topics from Fate that you've enjoyed reading the most in the history of the publication? Jerry? Well, you know, I, I like the UFO stuff. I like the cryptozoology articles. And, I mean, you know, just anything that, that you know, struck me as novel and, and just different from, from the rest. You know, I, you know and, and there were writers I had when I was working there. I had my favorite writers who were guys who were more like me, you know, who really were, you know, digging into stuff and trying to find a way to analyze the stuff and to think about it seriously and not just kind of, you know, accept it as fodder for imagination and speculation. And, uh, you know, I'm always more oriented toward people who are kind of have a scholarly inclination when they're dealing with this sort of thing. You know, that's a question I'd like Phyllis to answer, too. Phyllis? Well, I really enjoy the every issue we we publish stories from 50 years ago. And um, being an English teacher and creative writing, I just love how they wrote back then. I don't think people have the the skill or the time to weave the wonderful stories uh, that they did uh, 50 years ago. So over and over again, I, I find myself just charmed by by the writing style and 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 the the magic of the stories and the wonder of them from 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Ivan T. Sanderson comes up a lot, and and he was. Uh, uh, a popular writer back then, and I, I love reading his stuff. Sanderson was a wonderfully chatty writer. You'd read him, and would feel like you were sitting over a drink, and he was telling you a story. And he'd kind of go off into these size and stuff, and then he'd have these funny observations. And sometimes, if you read Sanderson closely, he wasn't making a whole lot of sense. But he was really fun to read. I knew him casually for a few years before his death and he was a fun guy we went out to his farm or whatever it was and we spent the afternoon with him really fascinating guy really interesting guy everybody that i know who do sanderson said that that he was kind of half crazy but he was always fun and people always enjoyed being around him of course as a corollary to that Maybe some of the things he speculated about you wouldn't take fully seriously. Isabel Davis said in a private letter to the atmospheric physicist and UFO investigator James McDonald, Isabel Davis was a major figure in the early history of ufology as a really serious student and thinker about it. And McDonald was a scientist at the University of Arizona who was doing a lot of UFO investigations, and he was trying to find other scientists who were interested in the subject. And, of course, Sanderson was quite prominent as an author and television personality. So McDonald struck up a conversation with him. Now, McDonald was a very serious, straight-laced guy who never, ever forgot that he was a scientist while he was investigating UFOs. And he just came up up against Sanderson, and Sanderson just struck him as, as a complete goofball. And he just couldn't understand why he couldn't communicate with Sanderson, scientist to scientist, as he expected to. 
So he expressed his frustrations to Isabel Davis in a letter, which, which was never published, but which I saw while I was researching my encyclopedia. And, I, and uh, Isabel Davis writes back to McDonald. She said, well, you have to understand that Ivan, whom I have known for many years, is a child. Oh. And, and she said that she loved him, but he had the heart of a child. And, and that's a great part of his charm was that he was just full of mystery and, and, and marvel and wonder. But, you know, he really was a keen analytical adult mind. As I said, lots of fascinating stories, but you have to consider whether to take them seriously or not. Hmm. Number three, question number three from Burnt State. And I'll go to both of you for this. First, Jerry, what approaches and changes to the paranormal and ufological fields do you think would help legitimize and broaden the audience for more serious inquiry in these respective fields of study? And this, of course, kind of follows through with talking about reality TV and how people look at these subjects now. You might have a long answer, Jerry, so let's start it in this segment, then continue in our final segment. Well, I'll keep it a succinct answer, that nothing will change until scientists get involved in a serious way and do actual science and have the resources, the laboratories, the funding, the institutional support, all those things that make science possible. In the meantime, what I try to do, and the colleagues, in, my ufological colleagues that I respect and, and like to be around, is try to do the best kind of scholarship and, and writing and preservation of records and analysis that we can do. What we're doing, we're involved in a holding action until finally science takes us up, and science will take this up one day. Science always gets around to dealing with the great questions. Sometimes, often, it takes its time getting there, but it gets there eventually. But maybe it's not going to happen in our lifetimes, Jerry. It is certainly not going to happen in your lifetime and mine, Gene, given our age. We're we're as old as the hills, ladies and gentlemen, when they say the hills are alive with the sound of music. Boy, that was after we came about. Anyway. It is a question, though, that science will take up sometime in this century. Jerry Clark and Phyllis Galdi joining us. You're in. The Paracast. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk. For every political persuasion, we are GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. 
For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Good people need help. The Homeowners Association said we had weeds and fined us $25. We told them they had the wrong house. They said if we didn't pay it, they'd file a lien. Our attorney demanded photographs, witnesses, and told them if they couldn't provide this, they must cease and desist. Issue solved. Worry less and live more with LSProtection.com. That's LSProtection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. I'm David Cordeni, President and CEO of Cigna. We're proud to support the March of Dimes by walking in the March for Babies. It feels great to know that the money we raise funds life-saving research and programs that improve the health of babies. With your help, we can make this year better than ever. Join Cigna and our coworkers across the country in March for Babies to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthier babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org and march to help our babies. Thank you. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy viruses products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have one more segment with Phyllis Galdi of Fate Magazine and UFO historian and researcher Jerome Clark, who used to work for Fate and still writes for them. And that question I asked of Jerry changes to paranormal and ufological fields to make it possible for more serious inquiry. What do you think, Phyllis? Well, I think the government has something to do with it, too. No matter how many times, you know, you 
you have evidence of a, a strange experience, a ufology. I really think the government is putting a kibosh on, on information out. They diss it and they deny it and pretend it doesn't exist. So I, I think they're complicit in, in keeping the shutters down. Well, then you probably have to do it for them kicking and screaming. They'd have to be forced to confront the issue. Would that be possible? Oh, I think if a UFO landed on the White House, they'd still deny it happened. Well, with this president, it's so polarized. You know, if Obama said tomorrow, we're being visited by E.T., Fox News would say he's making it up to hide the truth about Benghazi. Exactly, yep. If Kwatu walks out... (laughs) The spaceship, you know, they would still still deny it. Did anyone ever notice here, if you look at the final scene of the day the Earth stood still, the original 1951 version where the UFO is taking off, the spaceship is taking off, mm-hmm. if you look at that and you look at some of the UFO illustrations from Howard Menger, one of the UFO contactees, that's where he got it from. Not surprised. Cool. I exposed it right here. There it is. It's all exposed. I know everything now. You learn something new every day. And this is the kind of knowledge that, having received this information, it has no value whatsoever. <laughs> I don't think most people even know who Howard Menjard was anymore, but in the 1950s and even into the 1960s, he was like the East Coast version of George Adamski. He had the nickname of the Jersey Adamski, and he was a sign oh. painter in Highbridge, New Jersey. And I'll tell you a story quickly about Menjard. So Jim Mosley, late Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer News then and Saucer Smear later, we meet Howard Menger in this diner just across the street from Saucer News office at 303 Fifth Avenue, New York. And Menger says, you know, I think that maybe I was the victim of some kind of government experiment. That's what he said. Yeah, I I remember that he, he was peddling that story. In later years, my suspicion was that he'd gotten in so deep with this, you know, this complex hoax that he was pulling off that he wanted to get out of it without ever having to actually confess that he'd made it all up and taken all these phony photographs. That's what I think that was about. So basically here, this was his excuse. Create a new story to divert attention from the old story. Make him a victim instead of a liar. All right. Of course, that's a theory also some have voiced about some of the early contactees. They were involved in some kind of government experiment. Orfeo Angelucci was another one. Mm-hmm. But you heard that. That's where you go. So speaking of where we're going to go, Phyllis Galdi, we have maybe six, seven minutes left with this episode. What are the future ideas that you have in mind for Fate magazine? Well, uh, we'll see what what fate has to say. Uh, next issue we're going to have about uh, is about ETs and UFOs. Jerry, you better then uh, uh, people who claim uh, to have experience with contacting ETs and and you know personal experiences. So that should be a lot of fun and uh, create some controversy. Then the next issue after that is about uh, animal communication. Telepathic communication with dolphins and, and other non, uh, non-human beings. And after that, it's going to be Sasquatch. Uh-huh. So we, we, we have some interesting uh, topics to cover. 
So, it, like I said, fate kind of writes itself. It kind Phyllis, of presents you better itself. send me a book so I can review something for the next column. Yes, yes. I have some, okay, I have so, some good ideas. All right, so we're not going to know what Jerome Clark's going to review for Fate <laughs> Magazine until we look at the issue, until he sends the books. Of course, as we mentioned before in the issue that I have here, which is July-August 2013, he's reviewing those books about Palmer and Shaver. Yeah, Richard Toronto's book. Right. So that's what he was doing then. If you had the money and the power, Phyllis Galdi, to change something in Fate magazine, to get a wider audience or just to change it, what would you do? Get better paper. Okay. You were, you were thinking content, of course. Um, we have got stacks and stacks of uh, uh, submissions, article submissions that are just absolutely fascinating. Some are are uh, same old, same old. I mean, how many how many ghosts have you seen? So we're we're looking for more timely um, information and uh, with a little more meat to them. So the impression I get when I look at Fate Magazine is. It's 1955, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting in at the editorial meeting, and you're looking at the stories of the things that are happening, the UFOs, the ghosts, the cryptozoology, the monster on the beach, all this. Has it changed that much, really? No, not really, but um, the, the readers claim that's what they want. They get mad if we have all UFOs, if we have all monsters in an issue. They like the variety, like Jerry was talking about. Um, if they, they might not want to read everything in the, in the issue, but there might be a couple, three, four articles that they're fascinated by. Jerry Clark, what are you up to these days? Uh, pursuing other interests. You know, I have a lot of interests, and I basically decided that I'm probably not going to write any more books. I've said everything that I wanted to say. My last book, Unexplained, came out in 2012, and I'm very pleased with that book, and it's it's a lot of good stuff in it, but I think that it pretty much says all that I have to say. It sort of sums up a lifetime of researching and thinking. And, you know, I still, you know, monitor things. But I'm not really involved in any particular project related to anomalies these days. Just doing some reviewing and and the occasional essay. I wrote a blistering piece on John Keel for 40 times late last year, which got quite a response. And blistering? Anyway, that, yeah, just sort of stirring the pot here and there. How blistering? How so? Oh, it was not. I, I was not a fan of Keel, whom I knew for many years, and uh, I compared him to. I said he was the ufological equivalent of Glenn Beck. And, oh, uh, that really hits. And then went into yes. chapter, chapter and verse about why he was, you know, emotionally unstable and factually unreliable, and so on. And you know, nobody could challenge any of the facts, but they still got mad. So I like to do that once in a while. Oh, that sounds like uh, having a good time. Yes, indeed. Phyllis Galdi, people who want to learn more about Fate Magazine, this is your chance, 30, 40 seconds, where you can sell the product. Visit our website, fatemag.com, and request a free e-issue. That's Let simple. us know what you want to see in the magazine, and we'll uh, accommodate you. It's your magazine. It's the Reader's Magazine. I consider myself a steward. 
And this magazine has been going on since 1948. And maybe in 2048, it's still going to be around to celebrate its 100th anniversary. Who knows? That's maybe fate. the next generation, sure. Right. FateMag.com. That's FateMag.com. You can find us, by the way, in all sorts of places. Really, on Twitter. You look at the Paracast. Look for the Paracast on Twitter. Send us a tweet and follow us, and maybe we'll follow you. We're also on Facebook. There is an official Paracast fan club on Facebook. In fact, there are two of them. And someday we'll figure out how you make them one. Unfortunately, Facebook doesn't make it easy to figure out such things. They just want to mine your data and do lots of wacky things. Our old Chris O'Brien has his own website. It's called OurStrangePlanet.com. That's OurStrangePlanet.com. And if you go there, you can learn all about his new book, Stalking the Herd. If you buy it from his website, he will autograph it for you. That doesn't happen with Amazon, okay? That's interesting. Buy a copy there. In any case, Jerry Clark, Phyllis Galdi, thank you both for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you, Gene. It's always fun. Yes, thank you. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.